0: Welcome to this Internet Radio. This is in Spirit, affectionately called this is a nurturing environment for women that inspires harmony in everyday living, shares resources that empower, offers information and support that nourishes the soul, balances our mental and physical well-being, and promotes inner peace and heightened spirituality. Our vision is a world where women live consciously, harmoniously, and spiritually to positively impact our lives and the lives of those with whom we come into contact. Join us as we live life with style, grace, and, of course, much
1: joy. Welcome to your Sisters in Spirit broadcast for Thursday, September 6, 2012. You're here with your host, Skye, and our co-host, Raisa, is on travel tonight, but she sends her well wishes and greetings to everyone. Tonight's topic is, it's back to school. Are your children prepared? We thought that since it's the end of summer, beginning of September, we all know that most children of all ages are back in school. So we thought this was a great time to share resources and information that will help parents and children have a smooth transition and be prepared for the upcoming school year. Our special guest this evening is Shirley H. Cox. Greetings, Shirley. How are you this evening?
0: Greetings, Skye. How are you today?
1: I'm wonderful. We're excited to have you with us. Thank you for having me. Now, before we get into our discussion, I'd like to share a little bit more information about our special guest. Shirley H. Cox, Masters in Education, owner of Faces of Hope Child Development Center, Inc., in Washington, D.C., is a dedicated educator who has spent her life guiding and nurturing young minds. She has over 30 years of teaching experience at all grade levels, including adults, and has obtained a child daycare management certificate with the highest honors. Shirley has a master's in education, a bachelor's of science in psychology with a minor in French, all from Howard University in Washington, D.C. Her most recent educational certification is as a reading specialist. When not working with children, her hobbies include reading, nonfiction, and gardening. Again, welcome, Shirley. We're happy to have you here.
0: Thank you so much.
1: What we'd like to do, Shirley, uh, we'd like to start from the beginning, and uh, I'd like to ask you to share with us what inspired you to be an educator.
0: I want to say that it's my family uh because we uh, my parents believed education believed in education as a key to success mm-hmm. and uh we grew up understanding that education was part of what we had to do, and learning reading, and books were part of our environment, so everybody in my family read, and that was something that I grew up with. I just love reading books and i I felt that I wanted to communicate my love of reading with the students that I taught.
1: That's awesome. So your family foundation was your inspiration and your desire to share and to uplift others. That's awesome. So let's get into our discussion. Um, I'd like for you to share with us, Shirley, um, as an educator and a child developer, some of the major issues you encounter when working with children um in the various settings let's start with in a school setting what are some issues you start you encounter there and then let's move into the other environments that children encounter during the school year for example daycare before and after care tutoring sessions but just give us an idea of some of the issues that children have okay um
0: first of all i'd like to say that i think that there are five things that I feel are important for any child to be successful in school, and Mm -hmm. I want to just go through those five things, and then I think they cut across all the uh, areas, the different settings that you mentioned, daycare, Mm -hmm. before and after, and tutoring sessions, and regular school, so Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't just single out one of those five things. I think all of those five things carry through in every setting and are important, and let me just highlight them just really quickly, and then we can go into them deeper if you like. Uh, the first Sounds one wonderful. Is, the first one is getting a good night's sleep. I think that is very important. Um, having nutritious meals. And the third one is being involved, and this is directed specifically to the parents being involved um, at the school, at the daycare, at the before and after in the tutoring program. Also, Parents, again, must ask questions, not just of the caregivers, but of their children. And the fifth one that I'd like to share is reading with your child. It is important that parents are the role models for reading with their children. And that's true,
1: because um, what they do in the home often carries over and inspires them in the various different settings that they might um find themselves in during the school year. Absolutely. Okay, so those are the five areas. Where have you found the major issues that children um, typically have when uh, they come into um, the school settings or into any of
0: the other settings that we talked about a little earlier? It's interesting because you can have any of those issues. When Mm -hmm. a a child comes into a classroom, as an example, a first grader, a fifth grader, they have not had a good night's sleep, their whole day is, is off. Mm-hmm. They're either going to sleep in class or they're going to act out. And mm-hmm. I think we can, we can think of our own, ourselves as adults when we don't get a good night's sleep, how short we are with others, how our temper is not as uh, polished as it needs to be. So imagine that with a child who is not able to manage their emotions or express themselves very well, so they Mm -hmm. will act out in different ways. So when you see a child acting out, you can't always assume that they're just being disrespectful or they don't have manners. You have Mm -hmm. to consider what is it that triggered their behavior. And Mm -hmm. I can tell you that most times you will find that it's, a child that has been sleep deprived the night before or that week. I think that's an interesting uh concept that you um
1: you just brought up, which is to not necessarily assume that the child has bad behavior. So, what what do you do when you find that a child has a particular issue? How do you try to get to the root of what's
0: really go- going on with that child? Try to find out what's going on in their family, and if you have spoken with their parents or caregiver, you can find out what's going on. If there are, you know, changes in the household, you know, there could be an illness or death or something that may have triggered that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have to try to be aware of it, and sometimes you have to let the child sleep. You mm-hmm. have to give the child an opportunity to take a nap or, um And I have had uh, situations where I've had to let a child take a nap in class because they were just not – they're not learning. So if they're not Mm -hmm. learning, the best thing for them is to get the quiet time that they need, take a nap, Mm -hmm. and uh, then they can wake up and then be refreshed and maybe participate. Well, you know, that really seems to
1: me kind of new age, and that I hope that doesn't speak to how long it's been since I've been in school. Um, well, in some ways, because um, I know when we were in elementary school, our teacher, one of our teachers did allow us to come in and put our heads down for just a few minutes to rest after recess. But right. um, other than that, I don't recall having an opportunity to, you know, really go and rest when, you know, there was, things going on and I couldn't concentrate, but it makes perfect sense.
0: Right. So um
1: really as a caregiver you have to make sure that you have individualized um um treatment and you take each child as an individual and try really try to look into what's going on with them. So I, I think Absolutely Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Rather than just hurting children, you know, okay, we're supposed to be doing English, everybody do it, whether you can concentrate or not, whether you have something going on with you or not. Exactly. So I think that's that's very powerful right there. And what about in um, other areas, the other five areas that we talked about I know um, a couple of weeks ago, um, Shirley and I did have a chance to um, spend time together at a businesswoman's networking event, and right. I was really uh, impressed with how you were concerned one, concerned with nutrition, and you spoke to the fact that, you know, you offer um, meals to the children. So um, talk about that, if you will, in terms of, you know, making sure your child is prepared and ready to participate in terms right. of, from a nutritional aspect.
0: Right. Because another one of the uh, key issues is that um, we talk about uh, having a good breakfast when you come to school in the morning and how that is the fuel that your body needs in order to function. And if you're not eating a well-balanced meal or getting a nutritional meal in the morning, it, it, it also is going to throw off your day. And we want to encourage our children to come to school for breakfast. And I know a lot of children whose parents do prepare breakfast for them in the morning but still come to school and would eat breakfast at school. So Mm -hmm. it just lets you know that growing bodies need more energy. And so children would want to eat so that they can function at school. And not having a good meal is really, uh, you know, you're sabotaging your opportunity to get a good education. Mm -hmm. And your brain needs that your brain really needs that in order for it to do the job it's supposed to do in the you know time that you're at school, six hours, mm-hmm. seven hours a day.
1: And, and one of the issues that can pop up with nutrition as well is um, a child might have breakfast, but what kind of breakfast are they eating? You know, what are they eating before they come to school? Are they eating cereal laden with sugar? You know, are they eating um, a breakfast that's so heavy that it would put a 300-pound man to sleep? You know, parents really need to think about, um, you know, the nutritional value of what they're serving their children before they have to go off and spend five and six hours in an educational setting or some type of daycare or child development setting. So that's something that, you know, parents need to be um, acutely aware of. Yes, The cereal might be quick and easy, you know, but how is it going to benefit and how is it going to empower the child throughout the day? And the same would speak to lunch. What, what do you find in children's lunches? Or are you in an
0: environment right now where you can see what children are bringing for lunch? Right now I'm not in the environment where um, I see what children bring in however mm-hmm. as i indicated to you i do pre- pre- uh, provide the meals for the children that i have here at my center so um however it's um it ranges and um what is convenient sometimes gets more uh you know visibility and brought mm-hmm. to school more often than what is nutritious nutritious mm-hmm. but um the school lunches that are prepared um are getting better and um, in terms of the quality. And so I think children are eating the school lunches more, but it's important that we provide, we encourage our children to eat fruits and vegetables. I mm-hmm. think that that's something that um, we need to encourage them to eat, you know, apples, bananas, kiwi, strawberries, all those things um, are very important, and we want to encourage them to eat of fresh fruits and vegetables as often and as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So if you can throw a banana into the lunch bag for your child, or an apple or an orange, that would you know add to their day.
1: Indeed, and one of the ways that parents can kind of um, you know get their if, if they have not already incorporated this into their lifestyle is to get the children involved. Um, you know, let them um, make some of the healthier food options and healthier snack options. And, you know, tell them, oh, this is so good for you. This is healthy for, for you, but it tastes so good. And get them involved in the preparation of the different meals. And even Absolutely. in preparing their lunch or doing whatever they can do to prepare their breakfast as well. So, it's, you know, it's going to take a little bit of savvy to kind of get them involved, to make it such that eating nutrition Eating nutritional meals is not something out of the ordinary that they would dread, but something that they look forward to and that's something that is uh, commonplace.
0: So and nutritional again, value
1: will. of their meals is very important.
0: Uh, one Absolutely. of the things I'm really
1: excited about is um, that our First Lady took on that cause of childhood um, obesity and Absolutely. nutrition for children. You know, she has um, the kids... Uh, Planting gardens, that's another thing that parents can do. Um, Absolutely. Let their kids, yes, you know, let their kids plant gardens or container gardens or herb gardens or just something to try to get them thinking into that healthier direction. Right.
0: And we have, you know, in in the city we have a lot of community gardens. Mm -hmm. So we can, you know, benefit from those. And there are a lot of farmer's markets now uh, uh, that have sprung up around the city that um, you can take advantage of. Uh, Getting fresh fruits and vegetables Uh, So you want to encourage that But again, parents have to be the role model So you're not going to eat something in front of your child That you're not going to have your child eat So you want to make sure that you're all eating the same thing So if you're telling your child, eat oranges Then you should be eating oranges as well Not you eating something else While your child is trying to eat oranges so you have to continue to be the model that you want your children to um to become. So in in the eating as well as, you know, the learning and the reading. That's all.
1: true. And and while while we're talking about nutrition, that kind of spans across the spectrum. Um you talked about um being involved, you know, as another um major criteria to whether a child is successful or unsuccessful in the school year. Uh, if parents are not involved, they show um, a lackadaisical or non-caring attitude, typically your children are going to be that way too. So how um, would you encourage um, parents to be involved in order to um, help their
0: child acce-
1: um, achieve success?
0: It's You know, it's a very difficult thing because I always the question I always ask is, what was your experience like in school? As a, a, Now that you're an adult, think back to your experience in school. And if you had a challenging experience in school, then you probably are hesitant to go to be in the school to encounter, you know, your child's teachers or things like that. So you need to have an idea of where it is that you are with your relationship and how it was when you were in school. Because a lot of times, I think that impacts how we interact or not interact with the school environment. And so once you understand that as the parent, then you can take some steps, either um, joining the PTA or just uh, going in and meeting your child's teacher, uh, attending uh, the conferences, parent-teacher conferences that are held Uh, three times a year, four times a year during the school year, uh, to find out what's going on. You get involved. uh, Either uh, go on field trips. Uh, There are different things that you can do, but you need to make that effort because consider it an investment in your child. That's Mm -hmm. what you're doing. It's an investment in your child and your investment in the future of your child. So Mm -hmm. you want to consider that It may have been hard for you when you were growing up. You don't want it to be just as hard for your child. So you want to try to be there for your child and um, get involved as much as you can. And you don't have to do everything. You can do one thing. And if you do one thing, that is at least a beginning I found
1: that when my son was in school, when he was younger and in school, I found that because I was an involved parent, the teachers took more of an interest in him as well. Uh, They knew that as a parent there were certain things that I would not tolerate and I would not stand for and that he was not expected to do. And so at any point when my son got to a point where things were not working out well or he was playing too much or doing whatever, some of the instructors, some of the teachers would say, well, you know better than that. And, and what do you think your mom would think of that? You know, that kind of thing. And when things were happening, instead of just letting them linger on until it, you know, just hit critical mass, they would give me a call and say, you know, um, your son is this, your son is that, Murid is this, Murid is that. You know, you want to check on him, you want to have a talk with him. You know, nothing ever got out of hand because they knew that, one, that I was available. And that, too, that I was going to be open to what the teachers had. I wasn't one of those parents that uh, crucified the teacher if they had to call me and believed that every word that came out of my child's mouth was the straight truth. I was like more like a mediator. So being involved a, is very important, and I think it helps the child, too, in that they see you're, you are there. Uh, that's inspirational to them. You know, absolutely. it's comfortable to them. That's,
0: um, a, that's an excellent point because... Uh, parents, involved parents definitely get to hear from the teachers more, and you hear both the positive and the negative about what's going on with your child, which Mm -hmm. is important, and that's keeping the line of communication open between the family and the school,
1: and that's Mm -hmm. very
0: important. And you've made some very important points about how uh, parents who are involved get to know what's going on, and the teachers also will – Take an interest because they know that your child is out of line and needs to be corrected, and that you don't have a problem with him or her being corrected because mm-hmm. if they know what your standards and what your expectations are of your child in the school environment. I had a friend
1: um I guess this was maybe about two months ago a friend was visiting, and she is an educator and um I think she's also special education as well, but she was Mm -hmm. telling me that she was planning to retire early. And I was like, why? You know, you don't really have that much longer. She said because she had just really lost the drive because, really, of the parents and the behavior of some of the students. And she said, you know, the students come in there and do things, and when you try to work with them, correct them, and just really interact with them, and you have to deal with the parents, she was more upset about how the parents interacted with her. So I'm really not sure of the school system that she was in, but right. I was just, the um, one, I was just kind of saddened because she had been in, been an educator for so long. And then just to hear you know, how, how she sounded at that point, you know, I'm ready to get out. These parents, and you just don't understand, she was just going on and on. So parents play a big role in the success or non-success of their kids uh, within the system and the other environments as well. Absolutely. How can you relate that to um date before and after care and um tutoring sessions uh, it, it i guess that's one of those across the board things Absolutely. where parent involvement across the board would would be the best situation
0: parents have to be involved parents have to uh know what's going on with their children and it's not so much that um their child is being singled out or criticized but I think that parents need to recognize that they are their child's first teacher and the mm-hmm. second is the school, the educate the educational process. A child comes to school to learn and they're learning for their future. And if parents understand that and they can communicate to their children the purpose of education and why they're in that process, it'll make the whole process a lot easier, but I think um, there have been there's there's been some research done about the fact that a lot of parents now are simply um, abdicating their role to the schools, and they feel that well it's the school's responsibility, let the school handle it, mm-hmm. and I think that's that's a little bit of a mis a misunderstanding of what. The role is of the school and what the role is of the parent it's supposed to be a a cooperative job it's not it's supposed to be a partnership. The parent mm-hmm. and the school working together to guide this young person to their you know to reach their maximum potential mm-hmm. and parents unfort- i think in some instances unfortunately are uh, assuming that the job is for the school. And they don't have to do anything to you know make that process go smoothly, mm-hmm. and more or less so turning the children over to the
1: school to to correct. Handle, yeah
0: right, and that's that's not really the role of the school it they need to be in they need to work in partnership, mm-hmm. and they have to cooperate with each other because the school has to know what's going on in the family in order to make sure. They can address and attend to the individual needs of that child, and the family needs to know what's going on in the school. So when the child comes home, they can reinforce what is being taught in the school. So um, it's unfortunate that we've gotten to that point where teachers are feeling they it's too much of a burden because uh, and teaching should not be a burden because it should be something that we want to encourage because we understand that what we're doing is molding the future. And if we understand that we're molding the future, we need to work in partnership with the schools. Parents need to do that, and the schools need to um, encourage that, and parents need to recognize that role, that that is their role.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. That's true. I'd like to um, remind our callers that you're listening to Sisters in Spirits broadcast for Thursday, September 6, 2012. And we're here with our special guest, Ms. Shirley Cox, and we're talking about um, it's back to school, are your children prepared? And uh, we're talking about um, right now we're going through five different areas that kind of spans across the spectrum of different environments. We're talking about education, we're talking about before and after care, tutoring services, but we're talking about five different aspects of uh, a child's life and involvement that would create or help to um, provide a successful experience for your child. We've talked about sleep, we've talked about nutrition, we've just completed being involved, and so now we're gonna talk about asking questions. How do we ask questions? to help our children be
0: successful? I think that um, too often our conversation as parents
1: with our child
0: is not really a conversation. We're usually giving them orders, and I'm sure you can relate to this. You're asking Mm -hmm. your child, um, clean up your room, take out the trash, go to bed, uh, comb your hair, take a bath. You're giving orders constantly. And what we need to do is to ask our children questions to get them to answer and to think about what they're doing or what they experience. For example, when your child comes home from school and you ask, what did you do today, or how was school today, and their immediate answer is what? Okay. (laughs) So, or okay, exactly. Well, Fine, okay, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. So you as a parent has, have to change your question. Mm-hmm. And you have to say, what did you do in school today? Or what did you learn in school today? Or tell me something you did in school today
1: to mm-hmm. make your
0: child think through the day as opposed to just saying fine and uh, mm-hmm. going off and that being an acceptable answer. Or when you, you ask the question, do you have homework? Yes, I did it at school. Well, I want to see it. It's not okay for you to do your homework at school and for me not to check it when you come home. Even if you've completed it and it's all right, I need to be able to see it also when you come home. So we need to reframe the questions that we ask our children in order to get them to answer in ways that will give us information about what they're doing and what's going on in their lives. That's awesome because, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh,
1: quite often we spend time just giving orders, you know, and um, letting the short answers do the trick. Yes. But um, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Our, uh, fifth criteria is reading. That's yes. more or less self-explanatory, but can you expound on that a little bit
0: more? Well, I think um, it's... you. as as I've said through all of these, that we want to make sure that you as a parent are the role model. You Mm -hmm. have to demonstrate for your child what it is you think is important and what it is that you value. And if you Mm -hmm. value reading, your child is going to also value reading. And that means that you have to be seen reading, Mm -hmm. not just uh, saying, go read, pick up a book. And too often I think that we also use Reading as a form of punishment And we don't want to do that We don't want to say to our child Well you can't watch TV, go read a book That's not going to make them love reading So we want to encourage them to read But we want to do it in a positive Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. So we
0: want them to um, read And it doesn't really matter what you read, they can read comic books, and I've always said, as you're eating your cereal in the morning, you can read the box, the box yeah. of cereal, the back of the box of the cereal. That's perfectly okay. You're standing at the bus stop, you can read the schedule. You're riding on the bus, you can read those little ads that they have on the on the um, on the buses, or you're on the metro, you can read those signs that they have in the metro station. So there's different opportunities for you to read. And if you're standing at the bus stop with your child, you can ask them, point to words and ask them, what is that? What does that say? What does that mean? Or read it to me or spell it to me. Mm-hmm. Those are activities that you can do with your child to encourage reading. But first of all, you have to be a reader yourself. You must read with your child. And to in going along with that is, your number one thing you need to do is to have a library card for your child. Do you have a library card? Does your child have a library card? And you can get a library card for as young as long as you can write your name, print your name. That's what the requirement used to be. Now they just give you it's automated because it's a barcode. All you need is a barcode. But if you can print your name on your application, you can get a library card. So every child from kindergarten all the way through should have a library card, and they're free. They do not cost anything to get a library card. And you have access to lots of information at the library. And uh, reading is just, it exposes you to so many different things and to so many different worlds. So you want to read with your child. You want to be the role model for your child so that your child has le- develops a habit that will last them a lifetime.
1: And that's so true. And that library card is um definitely uh, valuable because not only can they um check out books but um I'm, and I'm assuming that they still do this, they have DVDs that you can right. check out. And so and it's a lot of the library children there. Um, they the libraries now have more activities than they did in the past. So they're kinda right. like community centers where there are different things going on and so it's really um um I would definitely encourage parents if they have not already done so to definitely get their children involved with the library because there are free concerts, plays, all types of activities
0: uh, available through the library so that's a very important point absolutely and they also have um guest authors coming in uh so that the you know ch- children can meet uh so they would want to look at the different uh community libraries that have those activities and it's on their website so it's something that they can check out
1: yes indeed and they also offer classes
0: i'm not sure well i
1: i would think that they offer classes for children but i know they definitely offer plenty of adult classes so i'm sure there are classes and workshops and things like that for children as well
0: absolutely they have story t- you know storytelling story hour for the younger ones mhm uh preschool um uh toddlers I I believe, yes. They do have story hour for those for that age group. And uh they have uh access, you know, children can do homework in the library also and get help. Okay.
1: So Shirley we've talked about like five major factors that kind of span across the different types of environments children find themselves in during a school year. Uh, education, daycare, before care, after care, uh, tutorial services. Can you speak to some of the um, issues that uh, children might have, and some of the ways parents can help their children be more prepared? And specifically, like in a daycare or before after care service.
0: Okay, a um, couple of things that I I I want to say, and it's I know every parent wants what's best for their child. And um, we need to just learn how to praise and compliment our children. And I know it's one of the most difficult things for parents to do because sometimes we're so anxious about how our children, you know, if they're failing or they're not doing well, and we don't let them know often enough what they're doing right. And I think we need to do that because that is part of helping them uh, develop self-confidence.
1: Praising Mm -hmm.
0: boosts self-confidence, and self-confidence makes you feel good.
1: Mm -hmm. Feeling
0: good makes you want to try harder, and trying harder leads to success. So if parents can incorporate praise and compliments in, you know, with their children, talking to their children, they will definitely move them a long way towards success. And when you praise, it can't be just generic. You can't just say, oh, You did a good job. That was great. No. You need to say specifically, thank you for taking the trash out without me asking, or thank you for helping your sister with her homework last night. You need to make the praise specific to Mm. the situation. That way it's going to be taken as being genuine and sincere. Because children, we forget that children really recognize when we are not being sincere and honest. They know that. They have some intuitive gut feeling about that. And you don't want to just give false praise. That's mm-hmm. not what we're asking. You want to make it genuine and you want to make it specific to the situation. That's very powerful,
1: I'm praising children. And I know, like you said, we're so anxious as parents in, you know, our child's welfare, making sure they succeed, that sometimes that extra praise Um, does not come as often as it should.
0: Exactly. Um,
1: I remember when my son was entering an environment where he had to go um, to before and after care, and um, (laughs) some of the things we did and some things we did not do to kind of help him have a more successful opportunity. Well, one of the things we did, and this was set up by the um, center, is that um, they had a visitation um, day. Actually, they had two, where the child, you know, could come. First, you go to the orientation. You go and sit Mm -hmm. down and talk to the director, meet a couple of teachers, and all of this beforehand. And they also had it set up where they could just do a little visitation for a couple of hours for two days. And, you know, after and and actually the parent could be there with them. So after the visitation, you would come back to the director and, you know, talk about if you thought this was a good fit and then you will go through the process of enrolling the child. So okay. along those lines, what are some of the things that parents can do to um, kind of help children adjust to being in um, before and after care or daycare? Uh, for example, um, the visitation beforehand, um, how to kind of set the stage and the tone, especially for a child that has not done this before.
0: Right, right. It's always good to visit um, the place and if you can do it first on your own and then come back with the child, it makes it helps for you to uh, see how the environment is and whether it 's a place where you feel your child is going to be comfortable and cared for and taken care of and get an opportunity to learn and uh, have you know enriching experiences so you definitely want to visit and uh, it's 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 important it also shows again that. You are a caring, concerned parent. It also shows your child that you are caring, you're concerned about where they go during the day or, you know, uh, school day, tutoring session, or after school program. So it's very important that you show an interest in mm-hmm. what your child is, you know, going to be involved in. So that's a very good, uh, yeah, you must definitely visit. It makes a whole lot of sense.
1: And I think nowadays, too, with children, um, because they seem to be a little more progressive than children were a couple of decades ago, um, to sit down and talk to them about what's going to happen, what the expectation is, so that you're just not dropping them one day into this new environment, even with school. You know, a right. lot of kids um, well into like, teens, mid, mid-teens mid and teens, they have um, anxiety about, you know, the first day of school. So, Absolutely. you know, as you said, being involved, sitting down and having this conversation with your child about what the expectations are going to be. What's going to happen, you know, when you get ready to start the new school year in an right. educational environment or in daycare or after and before care? What's going to happen? You know, just talk to them and, and kind of
0: prep them more or less. You know, And I think that's that's a very valid point because what you discover is a lot of children don't know why they're in school or don't know, especially at the elementary level. They don't understand. And even, I'm saying elementary, but I think all throughout, I don't think children really understand what the process is about, why they're going through that process. And it would help if the parents, as you say, sit down and give. What are the expectations? This is what is expected of you. This is what's going to happen Mm -hmm. in this process. Because even though... You went through this last year, well, this is a new environment or this is a new teacher, this is a new you know, classroom. Things are going to be a little bit different. So you, it's helpful for the child, and again, like you say, to um, ease their anxiety because children get anxious, and sometimes we overlook it and we just say it's not important, but it is. Just imagine if you were going to a new place or a new environment, you would be anxious. So That's right. you can expect that a child would be anxious, and remember that children don't have all of the tools that we as adults have created over time to be able to say, "Oh, I know it's just butterflies in my stomach." Oh, I just know, you know, it's I know what this means. Children don't have the words or uh, the capacity to express how they feel a lot of times, and so it, it would be helpful, as you say, if parents sit down and say. This is a new school, new teachers, new children. This is what's going to happen, and this is what we expect of you as you progress through this, you know, in this environment. Your expectations of your child as well as what they expect, in the, what to, what they can expect in the environment. I think that would go a long way to encouraging our children to learn the rules, understand the rules and understand what's at stake in terms of being in an environment where they're learning and having to get what they need when they need to. Because school is, if you don't get it, you miss it, it's going to be, you're going to play catch up. And Mm -hmm. to play catch up is much harder than to get it when you can. Mm
1: And so
0: we need to encourage our children as much as we can and, yes, set those expectations, set those guidelines, set those ground rules, so your child knows what to expect and knows what you expect of him or her.
1: What I'd like to do now, Shirley, is to invite you to share with us your contact information. And um, after we share your contact information, and um, we ask you to also give us some more information about your company, uh, about your child development center, and give your contact information. And I also would like to um, welcome our listeners in and invite them to um, ask questions or make comments. And if you will press 1, we'll call the last four digits of your phone number to invite you into the conversation. And so at this time, we'll hear more about our guest speaker's business and get her contact information. Shirley?
0: Okay. Um, It's Faces of Hope. Uh, Well, Our website is www.facesofhopechildcare.com. And phone number 202-581-0208 or 202-746-0536. 202-746-0536, 202-581-0208.
1: Awesome, thank you. And tell us a little bit more about your um your company and what you do and how you help empower children.
0: Well, we do uh, several things. We are primarily trying to nurture children uh young children between the ages of infants and twelve years of age. Uh, we do do tutoring in the afternoon, and uh, we have children here during the day, uh, Monday through Friday, caring for them while their parents are at work. So that's primarily what we do. Okay.
1: Wonderful. And you said uh, the age is age range is infant to twelve years or 12 To twelve range?
0: years of age. Twelve years. Oh, okay. Twelve years of age, yes. Twelve years okay. of
1: age. And yes. you provide meals as well?
0: Yes, we do. Yes. Okay. So we awesome. get um, breakfast, lunch and a snack.
1: Oh wow. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, let's continue on with our discussion. We were um talking about um how we can help prepare our children for um, settings outside of the educational, outside of school, for example, daycare, um, before and after care, and tutoring services. And uh, one of the um, points that I wanted to bring up is something that we talked about earlier in terms of making sure our children get enough sleep, yes. and uh, that includes making sure we change their schedule far enough in advance so that they are used to a new schedule because I remember um, I would think about that maybe a week or two weeks before my son got ready to go to school, and it was really hard. It was a transition, you know, and it takes more than like a week for them to change their schedule in, um, in some cases, maybe not for all children, but I know we definitely went through that. So one well, of the ways to help prepare them is to kind of change, start changing their schedules gradually to what it's going to be when the school year starts.
0: I'm 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 so glad you brought that up because that is a a very very important point in terms of establishing routines in your household, mm-hmm. and it is very important to have a routine and to try to maintain that routine as much as possible. I know that uh, Monday through Friday we all want to get to bed early and get up on time so we can be at work and Saturday we want to sleep in, and Sunday, if we're not going to church or anything, we're going to sleep in. But we want to maintain a routine as consistently as possible. Even though it's summertime, Mm -hmm. we think we're going to stay up late, we want to maintain that routine so that we don't have to do what you're suggesting, which is starting the second week in August. And now you're saying, okay, now it's time to go to bed. It's 9 o'clock or it's 8.30. Your bedtime is going back to 8.30, which is school time. So you want to maintain that 8.30 time. I remember when my daughter was young, she actually said to me, Mom, I'm 14. Why am I still going to bed at 8.30? (laughs) And um, it's routine. You must establish that routine. You have to maintain that because... We we adults, I think, think we can get by with a little bit of sleep, but children need eight to ten hours of sleep every night.
1: Yes.
0: And in order for them to get that and for them to function efficiently and effectively at school or in the daycare or tutoring session, we need to make sure they get their right amount of sleep. Mm-hmm. And we have to establish that routine early on. And so if they come to the daycare setting, if that's their first introduction to a formal structure, you want to make sure that even at three years old that they're going to bed at 8.30 or 9 o'clock and um, it's consistent, not just Monday through Friday or Sunday night through Thursday, but that it goes the seven days of the week. And that's something that is, hard to do, and I recognize that all kinds of things can come up, you know, but we want to co- be consistent with that so we don't have to do this major juggle in August and say, now everybody lights out, it's 9.30, everybody, you know, so we don't have to go through that. We want to try to keep a schedule as consistent and maintain that routine throughout, especially as they're going through school.
1: It's yeah. it's it,
0: it would make a difference, I think, a big difference in terms of, them getting their work done. And I know as they get older, they get more work and more homework, so they mm-hmm. will be up later. But if they could get in the habit of having that routine, it would mm-hmm. make a big, big difference. And parents, I know, have to try to accommodate that. But it's it's a challenge, and it's a it's a difficult thing with people working late and different things, but it's something that you want to try to establish as early as you can
1: and it makes sense to to continue it throughout the year as opposed to letting them break it for a couple of months and then trying to get people back into the regular routine.
0: Right, That's a exactly. good
1: point. Thank you. Yeah. Mhm. And and another um a little tip that that we used to do when he was much smaller was um to practice saying goodbye. You know, children, especially smaller children, do not like to say goodbye. So if they're entering a new environment or coming back, for that matter, and they're still kind of young, get used to, you know, your child saying goodbye to you and you being uplifted. Make it something that's normal instead of looking all crazy, you know, when you're saying goodbye to your child and getting ready to cry. That's going to put them in the same mood. Um, um, motion and in the same moment with you. So you want to be uplifted. You want to make it something that's not out of the ordinary, something that's commonplace, and it's going to be okay because I'm going to see you soon, you know. Right. Preparing them to say goodbye is another tip. That's,
0: That's a good point. And also when they do start to cry when they're separating from you at the daycare or the early childhood setting, you want to say goodbye and give them a kiss or a hug and just leave if you mm-hmm. continue to linger they're mm-hmm. going to think that they can continue to see you and that mm-hmm. if they keep crying it'll just you know it just continues mm-hmm. to um aggravate the situation as opposed mm-hmm. to because the minute the door closes and you've mm-hmm. distracted them cuz you can get them to take a toy or something you get them to read a book mm-hmm. you know, it's gone because the okay. child you know their memory is not that strong for them to say, my mommy's still standing out there waiting for me, you know, kind of thing. They're not going to do that. But once the care provider understands and brings them in and, you know, finds something to distract them, they're gone on. So I think parents sometimes want to hold on because they're, you know, they're missing their child and that's perfectly understandable because that's reasonable to have those feelings. But you can... Say goodbye because you also know you're going to be back later, and you can also. Um, most uh, centers encourage you to come and by, and check on your child during the day. That's not a problem. So it's if you have time during the day and you can come back and stop by and see your child. That's 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 acceptable. So you want to make sure you don't make it an a, a, an exchange or an interaction that is going to be more painful than it needs to be for you or for the child.
1: Mm-hmm. Very yes. good point. I'd like to let our listeners know that we you are here with our special guest, Shirley H. Koff, owner of Faces of Hope Child Development Center, Inc. in Washington, D.C. Shirley, would you share with our listeners again your um, contact information?
0: Yes, www.facesofhopechildcare.com. Phone numbers two zero two seven four six zero five three six two zero two five eight one zero two zero eight.
1: Thank you so much. This has been a really informative discussion. And what we'd like to do is to invite you, Shirley, to um uh come by the blog because as you know, um the show was posted on the blog. So we would like to invite you to come by and answer any um, questions that our listeners might have. And we invite our audience to go to the blog, and if you might have a question specific to your child or your situation, to post it on the blog, and we invite Shirley to stop by, check it out, and, and give you a response if that works for her. Okay. Our blog is www.fluidmagazine.com, www.fluidmagazine.com. And just as a recap, Shirley shared with us five factors that spans across education, daycare, after and before care, and even tutoring sessions that um, can help your child be prepared and have a successful experience. Uh, one is sleep, to make sure your child has enough sleep. The second is nutrition, to make sure that they have nutritional breakfast and lunch and dinners, for that matter, depending on what the situation is going to be, not sugary things that are going to tire them out and to, um, make them have an energy spike and then just um, crash in the middle of the day, but well-thought-out nutritional meals. And the second is being involved. Make sure that you're involved with your child's environment that you talk to your teachers, that you talk to your caregivers, you know who they are, that your child sees them involved, and that you're involved with what your child is doing, with the homework, with their activities at home as it relates to these um, different environments, and to ask questions. Ask your children questions that require some thought um, in terms of the answers, you know, not questions that... Could say a one or two word answer or a yes or no answer, but questions that require them to give thought and to give to in, interact with you, and also ask questions of the caregivers and the teachers, and to read. Be an example. Read to your children. Read so that your children can see you reading, and try to foster the um, desire to read, the love of reading, and education. And in terms of specifics that you can do for um, helping your child have a successful daycare or before and after care environment, um, you can set a routine. Make sure that your child goes to bed early and that they are on a schedule throughout the entire year. Make sure they have a regular routine. Um, make sure that they know what's going to happen. If this child is coming into the environment for the first time, talk to them uh, age-appropriate, of course, And just talk to them about their environment, what they're going to be doing, where they're going. If they're older, then, of course, your conversation would would be differently. But set expectations. Let the child know what's going to happen and what's going on. And um, also um, help them become familiar with the environment beforehand. If you have an opportunity to visit, you visit the location first, get to know the teachers, uh, get to know the directors, then bring your child so that they can do the same thing before. Their, um, they start attending and um, practice saying goodbye. You know, say goodbye to your child if they're a younger child and they might have an issue with you leaving them behind. Make it a situation where they feel comfortable because they know they're com- that you're coming back. And if your child does cry, don't linger. Just go on, say your goodbye, give the hug and the kiss, and leave so that your caregiver. Uh, can start working with them to bring them out of that emotional uh, situation and get them um tuned into uh reading or get them involved in some activity in the school, Shirley, would you like to share some other um last words with our listeners? Sure
0: okay um just uh one point I wanted to make is that parents we just need to have patience and remember that learning takes time. So we want to we want our children to do their best, but we also need to understand that they need to do it at their pace and it has to be developmentally appropriate. So mm-hmm. we want to make sure that they are learning at their pace, but we also want to have patience with them because it is very it's a very very important skill for us to develop as parents. I i i I know that very much as a parent uh the other thing is repetition repetition is the mother of skills, so once we understand that uh our child is learning or is trying to learn some new skill, we want to make sure that they are practicing that skill and I think of all those um Uh, Venus and Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, Michael Jordan, all those people have to practice. they practiced for a long, long time in order Mm. to develop the level of mastery to which they they have attained. So we want to make sure that our children have the opportunity to practice the skill so that they can develop mastery, and we want to make sure we are patient with them.
1: Thank you. And Shirley, would you share your contact um, information
0: with our listeners? Sure. It's facesofhopechildcare.com, www.facesofhopechildcare.com, and phone number 202
1: 746 0536,
0: 202 581 0208. And do you I have, do have a phone? I'm sorry, the email is facesofhope.com. Childcare at gmail dot com.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much for being with us this evening.
0: You're quite welcome.
1: We'd like to end our show with a quote. Do you have a quote that you'd like to
0: share with us? Yes, I do actually, and um, I thought this was appropriate. It was. It says, "The beautiful thing about learning is that no one can take it from you," and that was by B.B. B. King. Oh,
1: awesome! Yeah, and that's I true. That was
0: good.
1: Yeah. Yes. And and the one that I have I'd like to share is you can teach a student a lesson for a day, but you can teach him to learn by creating curiosity. He will continue the learning process as long as he lives, and that's by Clay P. Bedford. And we'd like to thank our audiences for joining us this evening. Thank you, Shirley, for sharing your expertise with us and for being with us this evening. And um, we'd just like to um, invite our Sisters in Spirit audience to visit our website, www.sisters-in-spirit.net. And we'd like to tell you that um, look for information about our upcoming symposium in Atlanta, Georgia on November 3rd it's called Power Up, Release Unwealthy Habits, and you will receive un- just unbelievable hands-on workshops that will help you overcome personal habits and behaviors that negatively affect your life, and it's going to be very powerful. Thank you for being with us this evening, and have a wonderful night.
0: Thank you.